On today's episode, I chat with Susan Krauss, who is the CEO of Traxar Toys, which is the company behind Kinesium. What is Kinesium? It's a toolkit that helps amplify robotics by connecting walls, arches, zigzags to their mats by using pegs, and it even has some sensors that you can use to enhance any build. They focus on using it to build mazes, obstacle courses, bridges, or whatever you can think of. They pride themselves on providing students the opportunity to work on engineering, invention, creativity, communication, and so much more. Susan and I talk about how Kinesium is a startup company that began in her garage with her son and his friends and focuses on playing more on the floor. Stick around to hear how Susan is offering a 25% discount to all of our listeners. My name is Brian Willette and welcome to my creative classroom. Well, our listeners out there, thank you for joining us on My Creative Classroom. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Susan Krauss from Tracksart Toys. Susan, thank you for taking the time to join me on the podcast. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. So, Susan, let's tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what your role is with uh, Tracksart Toys. So, I'm the CEO of Tracksart Toys. We're a startup that uh, started in 2016. I um, started with my son and a few of his other engineering friends uh, in February of 2016. That sounds like a, a, a quite a journey, you know, with your with your son and some engineering friends starting Traxart Toys, and you and you have this amazing product that really is what we're here to talk about today, which is Kinesium. So let's dive into what is Kinesium and and how did that come about? So um, there's a company here in uh, in Boulder where I'm very close to in Boulder called Spiro, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners are aware of. And it's a company that made a round robotic ball toy that kids could program to do different things. And I've been watching them literally since the day they rolled out. <laughs> um, in fact, oh, President Obama came here to Boulder and they actually used it when he came. They rolled it up to him and he picked it up. So it's kind of fun. But anyway, um, I went to CES in 2016 to their booth and I saw it rolling around on this table. And I thought, you know, it's great. You you got this thing, but what do kids do with it? You know, yes, they can program it, but it's hard to direct it sometimes because it is a sphere. And, and it occurred to me that, you know, they needed more tangible things that uh, would give it opportunities to have challenges. So I kind of had an inkling in my mind what I wanted to do for Kinesium, but I uh, invited my son and a few of his friends over and said, hey, I have this idea for a garage startup to create this play space for robotic toys. And I thought maybe one or two would say, yes, I want to be part of this. But of course, all of them said, yes, they wanted to do it. And they'd all recently graduated from the University of Colorado. And so we went up there to a classroom the very next day and started rapid prototyping. And um, it didn't take us very long, like maybe three months before we had a really pretty strong prototype that we started taking to STEM fairs behind a curtain to test with kids. It was really a fun time. It sounds like, you know, we talk garage startup, you bring it to university, rapid prototyping, and then and creating this product. And and let's tell, you know, we talk about um, a tool that can help service robots. You talked about Sphero, but it, it services all sorts of robots, not just the Sphero uh, ball robot, like you mentioned. And so essentially, Kinesium is is a, a product that allows you to build obstacle courses or, or, or mazes. Is that correct? That's right. So um, we designed it to be extremely flexible. And 
we had this idea, I, I pretty much from the very beginning, I had this idea of using those puzzle mats that you stand on or kids use in playrooms and things and to modify those. So we actually, you know, hand built those at first. We had, uh, drilled this grid of holes into that and we can, it came up with this system. It took us a little while to do that, but we wanted something really special a system that would be easy for kids to use, not to. So we wanted to develop a, a system that was really easy for young kids and uh, people really of any age to create whatever they wanted to create. You know, we wanted them to be inventors in this process. So we used those puzzle mats. We um, made a grid of holes so that the kids could create any size of a channel for a robot. So if it was a big robot, they could put the walls further apart. Or if it was a small robot like a Sphero Mini, they could make very small channels. So we designed it specifically to be very adjustable for anything, really. And uh, we started taking it out to these shows and the walls have holes in them and the pegs can snap into those holes in the walls or they can snap into the bottom or they actually have a slot that can be slipped on the edge of the walls. So uh, it allows them to build all kinds of things. They can connect walls together. They can make gates by snapping the peg into a hole in a wall. They can build big ramps so they can go up and off the floor, which, you know, is really hard to do that with cardboard and tape and that's what teachers mostly use right now and the other thing that we thought, thought was really important to teachers was to make it easy for them to use every single day you know right now teachers get the robots um, out and the kids sometimes get books and cardboard they put tape on the floor and it's not only um, takes a long time for a kid to come up with something with disparate objects like that but it's also a big pain for cleanup at the end of the day like pulling tape off of the floor or off of carpet and so we wanted to make it really easy so teachers could easily use it every day and uh, clean it up every day and that kids could be very imaginative and uh, come up with something different every single day. And I think that's amazing. You hit it right on the head there, which is using their imagination every day uh, to help cre create things and, and build things. And this accessory to robots sounds like it does just that, which is, you know, it's durable and it can be used with a multitude of different tools. And its purpose is to help, you know, enhance the already existing learning environment with those tools. So what is Kinesium made out of? What is the product made out of um, when students are using it? Like what is, how robust is it? So the, um, the flooring piece, which is like a puzzle mat, and we did that intentionally so you could hook multiple kits together. In fact, we say if you hook like four systems together, we call that Kinesium in the gymnasium, you know, so you can have a really big track. Um, and then we, it's really simple. So it's that floor that is customized. And then these walls, which are made out of a kid-friendly plastic, it's, they're flexible so you can bend them and make arches. And you can actually write on them with a dry erase marker. So if you want to make signs, you can make signs. And then the pegs, which are just um, a, uh, in plastic injection molded plastic. And so we did all of that. And, and at some point we went, we want to have a little tech in this. Uh, so we added these sensors. So we also have these motion sensors that come with a free application and um, kids can get this, they're optional. So kids can put a couple sensors in the Kinesium and either they will selectively, if you bump them in order, they will give you a time if you're racing against each other or they can collect points. And then you set a timer and you try to collect as many points as you can bumping into them. So conceptually, when we thought of this, we said how many different games that are actually really out there that, Kinesium could emulate. So things like skee-ball or pinball or soccer or uh, mazes that you see, like the whole marble maze kids had, the tilt marble maze when they were kids, and uh, Rube Goldberg machines and, you know, just 
anything we could think of, we wanted to make sure the system would be able to create those kinds of things, croquet, you know. So all the pieces are flexible enough that kids can do all kinds of things. And the really cool thing is literally, I mean, it's amazing. It's been around a couple of years now in production. And every time we take it somewhere, a kid does something with Kinesium that we're like, how, how could they take these three pieces and do something we've never done? And they, they managed to do something with the piece we've never done with it. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, and the, and the students often are the most creative and, and then we'll show how the product can be used uh, beyond the imagination even of the creators. Um, so let's get into a few stories maybe that you may have of educators or students using Kinesium and how they have used it and adapted it in their classroom. So um, one of the fun things was when I very first went out uh, to talk to this teacher and I go into classrooms, I love to go in and talk about invention with the kids. Um, is that a teacher told me that he had a kid that came to his robotics class and said, I mean, kind of hard to believe a kid would say this, but he's like, so yeah, I'm going to build this robot, but what am I going to do with it? And that's the, that's the key problem that we really were solving with Kinesium is that they have these robotics programs that don't complete the curriculum. So teachers have really told us this helps them easily compete, complete the curriculum and they can do it without having, you know, we don't really want them to say, here's this maze, replicate this maze. You know, we don't want them to do that. We want the kids to actually come up with things on their own. So teachers like the idea that they can hand this to kids and maybe give them a few parameters. Like we want you to build the strongest structure you can build with only these 10 parts. And then the kids can work with those parts and see how strong a bridge they can build. So they're intrinsically learning things like math, physics, and even structural engineering when they are given a task like that. And often they don't really even understand that they're learning that even from a very, very young age. So, you know, those things um, teachers really like because it doesn't require that they have a complex curriculum. They don't have to have a bunch of steps that they give students. They literally can set this down and say, start building a maze. Um, and some of the things that are really great is that normally when I go into a classroom, I bring four of these kits. And we split kids into groups of maybe four to six per kit. And, you know, most of these kids know each other, but even at trade shows, they don't. And they immediately um, learn how to start negotiating and working together. So that's another key issue is like kids actually have to figure out how to work together to create a solution. So I'll usually say, why don't you make a maze? You need a starting place and you need an ending place, but you can do whatever you want in between. And here's some examples, teeter-totters, ramps hoops, you know, I give them a few examples of things they can put in their maze and you kind of stand back and watch. And sometimes there's a little arguing and a little, you know, uh, discussion about, you know, whose design is better or what things to add. They don't usually have a full concept to begin with. So they have to actually work from start to finish and create something that's going to work. And then you give them a robot and they put the robot through the maze that they've created. And kids literally will play or work together for a long time and kind of forget that it's about the robot because they really enjoy just the, you know, it's like Legos, that building aspect where they can just really explore and build something really interesting. Um, we had one kid one time when we were at uh, one of our tests and he couldn't care less about the robots. He just wanted to build a big building. And he really, we have parents that actually bring out their phone and they have to put a timer on and say, we haven't gone to any other place. We need to go somewhere else. I'm going to one more minute here and then you have to leave. So it's in Corona, like for parents that are, are struggling to work at home with their kids, it's a really great 
tool they can give to their kids where their kids will learn on their own, will really concentrate and stick with it for a long period of time and give them a little bit of time to maybe make a phone call or get some work done. And you mentioned a few times about these kits, you know, and, and the creativity that you're, you're mentioning about students just wanting to build is something that we saw, see often in classrooms. And often the expensive robot gets put aside to start building and be hands-on and let their imagination run wild. So how many pieces come in a kit? And you also mentioned sensors. Do they, is it like one kit for, that has everything in it or are there different tiers of kits? Um, so what would come in your, in your average kit of a Kinesium? So our basic kit is four mats, which is about a 40 by 40 inch surface. And then you get um, 80 pegs and 46 walls with that. And the walls are of varying shapes and sizes. So some are made designed to be for fatter robots and some are designed with holes. Some don't have holes, so they can be used as ramps and or walls or whatever the kids do. It's funny, the kids don't necessarily differentiate right away. So they'll just use a a piece to make a wall and they don't really care what size it is. And then they add another piece on. And so it takes them a little while to grasp that, Oh, I might need two that are the same size, or I need one that's this width to make a gate. And they, they start figuring it out pretty quickly. It's trial by error, really. And, and they get to play, they sit down and they start playing and, and, and they're on the floor working through this problem. And it's not that they, like you mentioned earlier, there isn't this map that they're trying to follow and recreate using your tools. They're just trying to build their own thing and, and through trial and error, come up with some sort of, of end result, whether it be a, a maze, obstacle course, or time trial, like you mentioned earlier. Um, to your point of those sensors that you talked about, in the sense of data collection, when you have those sensors and you're trying to, let's say, do a speed test, does that go, what kind of app is it? Does it go to um, uh, an Android or a handheld device? Uh, and, and what does it get uploaded to? So just let me back up one more. On, uh, I didn't, didn't quite finish your last question. So we have the basic kit, which is what I described, the formats, 80 pegs and 46 walls. And then we have a kit that comes with two sensors. And then we have sensors that come in sets of two as well. So you can always add more sensors on. So you could buy two basic kits and buy one pack of sensors, or you could buy one kit with sensors and two more basic kits and then go back and add sensors later on. But the sensors uh, work with an iOS app. It's a very simple app and it's free and it doesn't collect any data. It's completely off the grid. All it does is collect uh, information from the sensor itself. So when the sensor gets bumped, it sends a signal back to the app. And if the app is set up in a timing game, it, it looks to see how many sensors have been hit. And so you can have as many sensors as you want. And when it sees all sensors have been hit, it will give you a final time. And if it's a point scoring app, you have to bump into it. And every time you bump into it, you get a point. But it has a delay in it of three seconds. So you can't just keep bumping into it really hard. You have to either go hit another sensor and come back to this sensor or wait a second. So it makes it a little bit more challenging to get the points. And at the beginning of that game, you decide what the length of duration you have to get all those points. So you set a little timer that might be one minute. And during that one minute, you try to gather as many points as you can. But the, the bigger idea behind these sensors is really um, game theory for these kids so that they can really think up their own games themselves. And we hope to, in the future, open that app to be a little bit more able for kids to do whatever they want. You know, like they could change some parameters in there and determine exactly what those uh, sensors are going to do and how they're going to work. And potentially, you know, maybe we can talk some robotics companies into opening their app so that we can trigger the robot to do something. So it hits the uh, sensor and maybe the robot starts to do some kind of a particular move that the child has programmed or maybe it dances or does something else that the robot is capable of doing. 
So yeah, that's kind of the idea behind that. But they're nice little accessories and features to add into to the maze so that, you know, students can say, oh, I want to, you know, how fast can you get from point A to point B and your start timer, you know, it starts when you hit the first sensor and then it goes to the next sensor for your end result, which I think is a, a fantastic addition, you know, adding that time trial or even, you know, you talked about different types of the, those tools, whether it be marbles and the marble run and things like that uh, to including those. So what would be the cost of the basic Kinesium kit compared to uh, including the sensors? Uh, the basic kit is $65. Um, list price and with the sensors it's $85 and sensors on their own are actually 35 they're a little bit more so we give you a break if you buy it with the kit so that's actually a val valuable purchase when you're when you're looking at purchasing these kits go with the sensors if you think that's something that you'll want, want to include because you're getting like you said you're getting a break because you're doing it right off the bat so that's actually a, a very good price uh, when talking as an accessory to the robots you have in your classroom as a building tool as well and have you seen students using these like you mentioned earlier, they kind of set aside the robot and start building. And I heard you say building a house. Have you seen them start building kind of on their own, irrelevant to the robot? Yeah, I mean, that 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 definitely happens. And um, back to your point about the sensors, too, is, uh, you know, every kid is different in what motivates them. So the sensors can be very motivating to a kid that wants, is interested in competition, right? And so it gets them to that next step, like build it, try it with your robot for a little bit, put the sensors in and then compete with your friends. And then um, you can also, you know, have two different kits set up, two kids build two different things for two different races, and they can switch and race against each other on either uh, set that they're working with. And, you know, we've had good experience with, we sent it off to a, a, a tech camp last summer, and they had kids that made these long tunnels, and they were just intrigued with the idea that there's this hidden tunnel space. That, and then we the tech camp said, we really love these because when they're done playing with it, we break apart the puzzles into their individual pieces and we use them as places for the kids to sit on to stay, like go sit on your puzzle piece. And it worked really well for them to get a kids to sit in a circle, which of course I never imagined somebody would use this to have some kind of classroom discipline. It's kind of a funny story. What a fun idea though, to, to, to use the mat itself, right? And they sit on your puzzle piece uh, in your, in your, in your area. Uh, you mentioned earlier bringing four into a classroom. And, and so my question is how many kits do you think a classroom would need to get started and, and how many students can work on one set of Kinesium? So a single set, we usually say about four to five kids is a pretty good number. I think when you get to six kids and sometimes five, depending on the kids, one of them doesn't feel like they can really get into the mat and work together with the other kids, but it really can be used to teach them how to work together, like giving assigning roles to kids like builders or designers or whatever. So as you get older with the kids, there's ways to actually make it approachable with a larger set of kids. But commonly we're finding people do buy four packs for a classroom um, just because it gives them a lot of versatility. And it also gives a robotics club the option to put all those together and make a really big competition. Or if you have even uh, people that already have Bex systems with the big Bex uh, tables that they work with, they like using this while they're working and designing their robots, depending on the level of Bex they're working with to test out their robots as they work along the way without having to have that bigger table to use free for everybody. So it works really great for that too. We like the fact that it works we really say it's for over five, but we really have three and four-year-olds that come in and build with it. They can do it, but we're just trying to be safe on the end of, you know, using small parts. But um, we really say it goes from five to 99. I mean, when we were using this and testing it ourselves, my uh, 
co-founders are all in their mid-20s. They really enjoy building things and they enjoy the competition and the challenge. You know, we've made some tutorial videos for teachers. The Sphero ball is very slippery. And so we talk about traction and acceleration and things like that. We're really working on conceptual things. And kids actually like the failure part of it, right? They try something. They can't get the Sphero maybe to go over a ramp the first time. And they try a few times and then they get it over. And there's a really, I think there's a better feeling for them of success when they failed a little bit. But when they just go over it the first time and make the whole thing work, it's not nearly as much fun. But if they have to really struggle and um, figure out how to maybe change their design a little bit, it really makes their brains work a little bit harder and gives them a lot more pleasure in the success in the end. And uh, you're hitting the, the the nail on the head here with a few points, which is student creativity, student communication, collaboration, and you know, experiencing that failure, adapting, finding a way to solve it, um, to overcome that obstacle, which I think is amazing, right? A tool in a classroom that can do so much like that is fantastic for teachers as well as students. Um, and have you seen Kinesium being used at home quite a bit? Like, is that something that you see uh, you go in the classroom and then all of a sudden students want to bring, like, buy some for the house? So um, we actually thought our target market was going to be um, to the consumer at first. We felt like a lot of these robots were in, ending up in the bottom of the toy box because they just weren't getting played with. They'd get it at Christmas, particularly um Sphero without instruction on how to do programming and stuff. They'd roll it around on the floor for a while, but then it's like, well, what do I do with this now? They don't really have any goals for it. So, but we haven't um, really grasped as much traction there as we expected. We think it's still out there, but we just haven't built the, uh, as big an audience yet to, to find us. So we have to really work on that ourselves. Um, we have had kids actually, we had a teacher post on our Twitter thing hey, one of my kids came to me and asked me if I could take my Kinesium home for the evening. And of course I said, yes, you know, so definitely kids are enjoying it enough that they want to take it home. And they want to use it at home. And it's at a decent price point that, you know, if a student comes home and says, oh, I want to, I want this to be added to my toolbox at home. I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a great purchase to be able to do that. And, and I will say, you know, in the global pandemic that we are with a lot of remote learning and distance learning, it is a, a something that, could enhance, to your point, the robots that may just be sitting at the bottom of the uh, the toy box and bring them back out and say, okay, we now have Kinesium and let's start building these obstacle courses for you or, or mazes uh, to, to help enhance the understanding and, and use of the tools that you may already have. Um, so if teachers are looking to purchase Kinesium for their classrooms, where can they where can they head uh, to to buy them? So we're on we have our own site which is Kinesium.com and it's K I N A. Z-I-U-M. And I uh, failed to point out that Kinesium is the aggregation of the word kinetics and gymnasium. That's where the word came from. One of our co-founders came up with that idea, Emily, um, which is I thought was perfect. I mean, we really didn't think much longer after that. I'm like, I think that is a perfect name. We should really stick with that. Um, and uh, one other thing I want to point out about the uh, Kinesium is that it works with other toys, too. You could use it with RC robots, but even small kids that have Hot Wheels and things like that, that like to just move the Hot Wheels around with their hands, once they've made a maze, they can use any kind of a rolling or even walking robotic toy can work with Kinesium. So it isn't really limited to robotic toys. Um, it, it, it is very much like Legos. Kids really like to play with it for a very long period of time and very engaged. And I've had moms with kids that have attention issues that will stick with it much longer than they will with other things, mostly just because they really like to use their hands and build things. And I don't know if you saw on our website, but our motto is play more on the floor. So that's the whole idea behind it. 
and and I think you that's ex exactly the point is that it's not just we keep mentioning Sphero, but it's not just for those robotic toys. It can be used for so much more. And and the fact that Kinesium you mentioned can you can build a house or you can build a structure or or this creativity the students can go beyond the robot that that you may think that it's used for is such a fantastic feature to have. Um, and when teachers are looking for tools, it's something that they want to know. Is there a diversity in this tool or is it kind of this one hit? Is it just for a Sphero or a Dash or whatever robot I might have? But knowing that it can go beyond the robotics, it can go beyond that. And it can be on, in a builder corner or in a makerspace. And who knows what the students will start building with it. Uh, and the fact that it comes with, with these mats that you place on the floor and that you're able to then uh, kind of attach your walls to is so fantastic because you're you know, we, we compare it to Lego and, and building blocks, but oftentimes the struggle with those is how do I get them to stay where they are and how do I get someone not to kick it over? But the nice thing here is that you can attach it to, to these these floor mats and, and, and you can play on the floor and, and you can do that. It, so in all of that rant, is, is it possible when students start using it or, or, or anybody, you know, you say age five to 99, is using Kinesium, they're building their maze, but I'm not done yet. Is it easy for me to store or take apart, you know, gently so that I have to take it all apart to store it? Can I simply just place that on the shelf? Yeah, well, I mean, you have to consider that it's 40 by 40 inches. So if some, I mean, you also literally, you could do a 20 by 20 inch, right? It's the smallest size is 20 by 20. The, the next size is two pieces together. Next size is three or four, whatever, as you extend it. Um, you certainly could pick that up and put it on a table. And even some kids will do it at tabletop size at 20 by 20 or two 20 by 30 um, we've done it at trade shows a lot on these uh, third, three by six foot tables. We'll make a long skinny one that goes back and forth and they can save that. But we like the idea that also at the end of the day, you can just pick up your cell phone, take a picture of what you've done, maybe take a couple of pictures and you can easily recreate what you've built as well. So if the teacher wants you to put it away, you don't have to feel bad about um, being able to put it back together because it's pretty easy for them to go rebuild what they're doing. And of course, once again, once they get there, they'll start doing like, oh, let's add this or let's change this or let's put an arch over the top of this uh, bridge that we built, you know? So it, you know, and when you talk about this um, other challenge, like when I think about structural engineering, it's certainly easy to use Kinesium to create some kind of a structure and then use little weights and put those weights on and see how many weights it will hold. And you've never used a robot at all. You've just used it to give the idea that how do you add strength to the structure that you've created? So it kind of gets back to, I don't know if they have in Canada, imagination destination. They've called it a couple things over the years where they basically just give you a few things and say, go solve this problem. Um, you could add other elements. Like we buy those little wiffle golf balls. So if kids want to do soccer, they can have the robot push the soccer ball into little compartments or um, we've used MIP robot that has a little tray and put the soccer ball on the tray and we've made hoops where it can drop it into baskets. And so just adding another couple elements that are in the classroom can also add for a really interesting complexity to what they're um, working with in, in their tool set. And in over our conversation, we you've mentioned several different examples of, of how it can be used with different robots. So is there some sort of professional learning network that, that you guys have created or, or a place where a teacher who, who may just be getting started with Kinesium, where there are some lesson plans or examples of activities that they can use with it um, for them to, to get started? Yeah, um, you know, we're a startup and actually all my co-founders are full-time engineers, aerospace engineers and mechanical engineers. So a lot of that work we're doing, you know, on the side when we can get to it. So yes, we've just started compiling these tutorials for teachers to start using. 
they're very simple. They're very quick ideation to say, hey, here's a concept that you can teach. Um, and then Twitter, we try to get teachers to post how they're using uh, Kinesium and show people how they're exploring it in their classroom. And so people are starting to do that where teachers can share on Twitter and see, and we'll probably start using Pinterest a little bit as well for that. Um, we'd like to say we have something more sophisticated and we'd like to move in that direction. We um, have uh, are looking for more distributors. So if there's a distributor out there that's listening to this today in Canada that would like to distribute Kinesium, we would love to uh, work on that uh, expansion of our product because we really want to work with people that are in the Edutech community to really move that forward. Um, we have a new partner in Latin America that actually is going to build curriculum for Kinesium. So it'll be really cool to see what they come up with as they move forward. Um, but once again, we want to be, you know, we, it's fine for people to do specific curriculum and specific things for Kinesium, but we really like to this open project based learning that Kinesium provides, which is kind of a trend for teachers. You know, instead of saying, here's exactly what you want to do, we want you to take this thing and we want you to imagine a challenge. We want you to set some goals and then we want to see if you can reach those goals that you've set by using these tools. And Kinesium is a perfect tool in that project-based learning or directed learning environment. And I think one of the valuable points that you mentioned there is your Twitter space um, in, in on social media. And a lot of teachers are sharing what they're doing with Kinesium and, and projects that they're doing and learning, which I think is a great space. So I encourage all of our listeners to follow Kinesium on Twitter uh, to see what other educators are doing and post exactly what you're doing. Um, it's, a, it's a platform that allows us to communicate, to your point, not this um, instructions or cookie cutter type learning, but just getting ideas to be able to share what other classroom students have created. And maybe that will spark some um ingenuity, some creativity of others to help create that in their classroom. So Susan, we are at a point in the show that I like to call the specialist top five. Um, and my question to you is what are the top five ways that you think Kinesium can help teachers transform the learning in the classroom or even at home? So I, the very first thing is the problem that we solved, which is completion of a robotics curriculum. It takes their robotics to another level to be able to take the robots, their um, teaching kids how to program or build or design as you get up into the older uh, classrooms and have challenges for those robots. So the kids not only get to build these robots, but they also get to learn how to design uh, games for robots and start to learn a little bit about game theory, even when they don't know they're doing game theory, right? Um, so that's, I would say that's number one. Uh, number two, I think, is this uh, really great ability Ability for doing this project-based and um, directed learning for teachers. So I really think that's a movement in education to get kids really using their full left and right side of their brain. Um, I used to, whenever I went, on, I, I've done product development my whole life and product management, and people would say, so what is your skill set for that? I said, well, I'm a very balanced brain person. I have analytic skills and creative skills, which have served me really well. And Kinesium is really good for that. You have a little bit of an analytics that you're figuring out, like how wide do I need to make the path for the robot? How high a ramp can this robot achieve? What kind of traction does that robot have? Those kinds of things. But also just this whole creative side of, you know, breaking the norm of maybe what Kinesium looked like it was supposed to be for them. Um, one example of that is Kinesium, the holes are on a grid, right? And so you might think that kids are always going to go in 45 degree perfect corners and then I'll, I set it down one day and these kids started making these curved paths that went all over Kinesium that were diagonal. 
that may break the idea of using this grid and that brings out the creative side. So that ability, number two, would be this ability to do this project-based learning where kids can just jump in and start learning. Um, number three, I think, is just the intrinsic ability to learn things without being told what they're learning or how they're learning it, but that they're actually learning dimensional thinking. Um, there's very few things that kids do in a classroom today that teach them dimensional thinking. And dimensional thinking is not as easy as some people, you know, as, as adults, you might be trying to express to someone architecture or how something is built or just how something looks in words. And that's very hard to do. But for a kid to really think three-dimensionally is challenging. And a kinesium allows them to really think dimensionally. How can they go up and how can they create towers and buildings and shapes, uh, round and square, any shape they want to do. So dimensional thinking, I think, is a really critical win with kinesium in the classroom that I don't think teachers have really had something that helps them do that in the past. Let's see, are we up to three? So uh, number four, um, I think this gives kids an idea about engineering a little bit, right? I mean, Kids at that age in the in the elementary classroom, maybe they have a dad that's an engineer. They maybe have gone to go to work day with their dad, but they don't really understand what engineering is. They can look at kinesium and start to understand architectural and structural engineering. And like the examples we talked about before, you know, how do I know whether this is going to hold a car? This bridge is going to hold a car. How much weight will it hold? Obviously, they're not going to be doing the depth of math that really is in those engineering concepts, but it starts giving them the conceptual idea of what engineering is about and how to engineer things. And uh, lastly, I think um, one thing that I think might not seem very important, but I do think is really important, is this: this is a tool that teachers can use every day in their classroom very easily. It comes in a nice big bag. When they're done at the end of the day, they just, you know, not a box that's going to break. They just slip everything back into the bag, put it back in the shelf and get to go home without having to spend another hour in the classroom cleaning up whatever they had to do or waiting for two months for kids to design a maze. Now, as an artist, I'm, I'm also an artist. I love the idea that kids can design from scratch with cardboard, but I want to give them more opportunity to do that design work without having to go out and collect cardboard and go out and find tape and, you know, do all the things that teachers do on the side all the time that nobody appreciates just to make sure that they can make their classroom function. And for them to be able to go out and buy this product, put it in their classroom and use it every day without having to go through all those hoops, I think is a big win for teachers. And I think that's a huge point right there, which is, you know, teachers often work so hard to go get materials to allow students to be able to be creative and engineer and Kinesium is, is, is putting it all into this nice carry bag that allows you to just start building, be creative, and everything is there. Not And to your exact point, you don't need to stay within the lines. You don't need to stay on the grid. Be creative and, and do as you see fit and build your maze with or without robots, even with that. Um, so Susan, that is so amazing. It's so great to hear about Kinesium and everything that it offers education uh, to both teachers and students. But before we leave, um, I want to give you one last chance. Is there anything that we may have missed uh, that you want our listeners to know about Kinesium? I don't think any of the major points. I just want to reiterate that I, I, I didn't mention we also are available on Amazon. We will run a special coupon for this podcast only. And I'm, uh, we'll, I'm going to come up with it right off the top of my head right now. We're going to have Create, C-R-E-A-T-E, 25. And we'll get 25% off on the Kinesium website. 
If you use CREATE, C-R-E-A-T-E, Twenty-five, you can get twenty-five percent off, which is really the highest discount. And we've had a couple little teeny higher ones, but that's usually that's the best discount that we generally offer. And uh, I, it's a really good opportunity. It's tricky right now. I would say I just want to mention about COVID that you know some people, some schools are going back into the classroom, and some schools are not going back into the classroom. And one nice thing about kinesium is, depending on your classroom size, if you have one or two of these kinesiums, you could break them down into smaller kits send them home with kids for a while and have them bring them back um, and let them do things. So for example, if you had four kits, that potentially could be 16, 20 by 20 mini kits that you could send home to get kids trying things um, and trying to build things. But also um, since it's a reasonably priced, you could encourage parents as well to add this into their stack of things. Cause I think parents are really looking for things to help them get through the fall, particularly in the U S where a lot of classrooms are not going to be, they're going to continue to be virtual for a little while. And I think that's amazing, Susan. Thank you so much for providing that that 25% discount to listeners of my Creative po- Classroom podcast. So I encourage everyone who's listening to head over to kinesium.com and use that discount code that Susan just shared, Create25. And also head over to Twitter and follow Kinesium on Twitter and share what you're doing with Kinesium in or out of your classroom. Yeah, and I forgot to mention, quarterly we give away a couple of kinesiums. So if you post on Twitter, you automatically get into the drawing to get a free kinesium. Even better. Even more chances to win. Uh, So don't forget to head over to Kinesium. Post there all the things that you're doing and join that great uh, collaborative site uh, that is Kinesium. So once again, Susan, I thank you so much for joining me on my Creative Classroom podcast. And I hope all of our listeners Head over to kinesium.com, purchase your set, use the code CREATE25 for your discount today. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for today's episode. Be sure to head over to kinesium.com to see what Kinesium is all about. And don't forget to use the discount code CREATE25 to save yourself 25% on checkout. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at MyCreativePod. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on whatever streaming platform you are listening to us on right now. As always, let's make learning creative. My name is Brian Willett, and this was My Creative Classroom.